You are listening to the Content Academy podcast where we teach online businesses how to create raving fans with their content. So let's get to it. Hey guys, welcome to the Content Academy podcast. My name is Paul Caffrey. I am joined by Philip McGrath. And today we have Julie Stoyan from fabulousblogging.com on the show. How did you enjoy the interview, Phil? Yeah, listen, it's a really, really good one. I mean, obviously, Julie knows her stuff, um, given her chosen topic, his blogging and creating content and stuff like that. And there was some really great nuggets of information in there. I mean, specifically, even just looking at it, just why your about page is so important. I mean, that's something that a lot of people may not necessarily think about when they're doing up all their content for their site. But the about page is perhaps one of the most important. And Julie goes into the exact reasons why. Yeah, and um, I suppose the, the piece that resonated most with me, um, possibly because it was kind of my responsibility when we started out all those years ago, was how to actually get a website up and running and how to actually have it backed up so that, you know, when something goes wrong, you don't actually lose everything. So there were some lovely little nuggets dropped about how to keep your blog secure and I suppose what to do if disaster hits. So again, something we generally don't talk about too much but it is very very important that you uh, actually have backups of your blog there available that you can actually access and and there's some nice tips on that um i suppose without further ado uh, let's hand things over um and yeah we'll talk to you at the end of the interview guys Julie, thanks very much for taking the time to come on the show and um, perhaps you might start things off by giving us a little bit of background about how you got started Hi, thanks so much for having me. Um, yeah, I'm the, the owner behind fabulousblogging.com. It started really by accident. I was a blogger for a personal blogger for many years since 2007. Um, I was, a, you know, your typical mom blogger, but I had an affinity for technology and I found lots of people asking me advice about their blog, about WordPress specifically. Yeah. And I got tired of answering um, in private messages, so I set up a blog, uh, and the rest is history. <laughs> I like it. So you decided to just take action and do something about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, that was one of the reasons, like we we really you know, were enjoy you know looking to have you on the show was obviously you know you're you're a writer, you've got to you know, but you're you know powerful on social media, but when it comes down to it, the case of actually you know having you know services around wordpress around genesis and all around blogging and hosting and all that sort of stuff we found that quite interesting because it's quite unique but i suppose kind of we'll get into that as the podcast goes on but the one thing i noticed was you know you've, you've got a very powerful uh, about me page and obviously you called out that as the most visited page on many websites um but obviously with the, the 10 headline statements you have in that and i suppose really the question is how did you go about putting that page together and getting the content for that and decide what to put in there and maybe what not to share in, on your about me page yeah i you know, I notice when I'm working on a lot of blogs and the statistics, the about page is, is very often clicked, especially if people aren't, if it's not completely obvious right at the get go, what, you know, what the website is going to yeah. offer you. I just tried to think like a customer. I tried to think like someone who doesn't know WordPress and is looking for an answer and what they'd want to know about me before deciding to pick up the phone and give me a call and say, Hey, I, I want your services. And I, I, so that's how I structured it. And I also was very careful, you know, that the big blob of text is a big no, no. And so I try to just keep everything in list form, very 
succinct, uh, very personal, yeah. like we were having a cup of coffee together. And, and that's kind of where the inspiration for that page came, came about. Yeah, I like that. I've noticed that, you know, having, um, I suppose numbers um, is, is quite important in your content. And obviously, there, you know, there's 10 headline statements on, on your About Me page, and it's very clear and easy to read. And I've noticed a lot of your posts, I mean, the headlines in particular, they, they seem to have numbers within them. Um, when you're crafting you know, and creating your, your posts and your online content, is that something you have in, in the back of your mind, or does that you know, make better content for you? I think sometimes, often I write the content and then, you know, I don't sit down and think, I'm going to write 20 WordPress myths that, you know, people believe. <laughs> yeah. I just, I come up with an idea, which is, oh, you know, there's a lot of things people believe about WordPress that aren't true. Let me write them out. And I write them out. And then if I see that there's 18, I push myself to 20. Sometimes I just like, oh, whatever. And I just go with 18, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what <laughs> I was there. My yeah, OCD you... likes the round numbers, you know, the 10 and the 20, but... You know, Excellent. at the end of the day, I, people want to know, like, I find that, you know, with the, with the increase of clickbait on the internet, if somebody sees a headline that says, you know, WordPress myths debunked, you want to make sure that they don't have a, a, an expectation of your post that's more than what you're going to deliver, because that's just going to make them never come back. So I try to say, no, 20 myths, like, so you're going to get 20 pieces of information and, and then I find they're more satisfied because they didn't expect the moon, you know, because oftentimes it's just like who can write the greatest, most, uh, you know, dramatic headline in the history of headlines. Um, I yeah. just find that really obnoxious. I know. It can, that can be <laughs> so frustrating. Yeah, you're, you're expecting something. And, and when a post under delivers, so I suppose that's a, that's a key point. When whatever, you know, the title of your post is, it really needs to be, you know, on point. You don't want to over promise you know, on the, you're going to get the sun, moon, and stars out of this one. Really, it's just a bit of nonsense, and you know that's that's something exactly. which is key. yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Um, um, when it comes to, I suppose, researching your content, um, is that something you would do in advance, or you know, you just sit down and write? You know, how do you you know pick your topics, and then once you actually pick them, actually research them? Well, I have several methods. Um, I'm, I'm trying to be a. I always try to be a little bit more. Um, processed about it and then I find I, I just don't work that way I'm pretty spontaneous okay. but but here's like probably three different ways that blog topics come to mind the first way is simply through customer questions um, you know so many of my blog posts come when I'm working with people and they ask me I just get the same questions over and over and over again so that's the first way the second way is usually because I'm coming up upon a problem or a design idea in my own work and I think oh that's how you do it and then I think well this would be really helpful for readers so then I put it out there um, and the the third way that I do it which is probably the most you know um, what I'm trying to think what the word is planned way is that I'll pick a topic like design or you know blog headers let's say yeah. And I'll make a I'll make a word web and I'll just put the word in the middle of a piece of paper and you know just draw with a pencil a bunch of lines and just come up with all these like this free association sort of exercise and I usually find you know 15 20 topics kind of burst out from there and then I start writing that way. Yeah, I like that. I mean that's it's a great way of just, you know, 
I suppose getting your brain to work in a different way and just getting stuff written down or, or typed in or whatever way you want to, you know, yeah. plan it out. I like that. And I suppose that's something that myself and Phil have done where we've often had post-its all over the places we're planning content, you know, for weeks and months coming along. Um, I, you know, one thing I really like about your blog and I suppose that your content is it has personality. You know, sometimes when you, you, you come across people talking about tech, it can be a little bit, you know, a bit dry and a bit, you know, boring as such. But um, you can really see your personality in it. Is that something which just naturally happens for you or do, is that something you're, you're mindful of when you're actually creating your content? You know, it, hap- it, it was something that I didn't mean to do, but I, that was a, a common request from, again, people who were asking for help. They said, how do I write? the way you write so that it's so like easy to read or like a conversation. I didn't realize that I was doing it until a lot of people asked. And then I started to try to figure out ways that I could then teach that to people. And, um, and, and so then I started to un- unwind, like, how do I, how exactly do I do this? I'm not really sure. Yeah. But one thing I will say is that you must always read your blog post out loud you will catch so much about your post. And any time that you uh, stumble or misstep in a word or you don't quite understand something, that means, it, that means it's got to be reworked. And uh, that's one tip I give people who want to just make their, their words flow better. Oh, I love that so often and again this is something that's happened especially when we started out was uh you know that publish button will highlight every mistake you make in that post but it, it, it's only after you've hit publish that they, they become you know transparent and, yeah. and, and glaringly <laughs> obvious and you kind of go how the hell did I not see that I know oh, yeah. I know reading your ears will catch a ton you know I heard someone say oh just read you know uh stick the whole post into google translate and then have it read it to you if you're if you're really lazy so. Yeah, yeah, I, mean, I, I don't know if I could handle that. Yeah, the, the, monot- the monotone voice. Hey, listen, if it works, you know. I mean, yeah. Julie, I'm just looking at your at your blog posts here. Um, one of them I really like that you put up is how to create readable blog posts. Um, and I, I I love the simplicity of it, but yet it's that kind of simple information that most people seem to overlook. They they try and go for the big, you know knock it out of the park, home run kind of posts and, and take the best tips from the best bloggers talking like the likes of uh, of Seth Godin or, or those great yeah. writers, but yet they fail to, to, to capitalize on the small stuff that together can be quite powerful. Yes, yeah. I So many people don't even, don't even take the time to figure out how to use their bulleted lists, their numbered lists, their little block quote, all those things in the WordPress toolbar. If you're a beginner, you kind of just glaze over. You know what bold it does. You know what italic does. But what about the headings? And, <laughs> yeah, you know, all and yeah. even just that simple little divider line, you know, you stick that line in there. All of these things really help the uh, impatient online reader you know yeah and i mean obviously the look of your content this is something we we, we obviously have, have plenty of experience in over the years but a lot of people starting out or maybe you're going a little while and the look of how it's laid out can really impact how much of your content your audience will read never mind what it says but just how it yeah. looks to the eye when when that blog post loads 
can make a huge difference. And I mean, one of the things I'm looking at here, um, you know, is the, the clickable uh, links for, for click, click, create tweetable links. Sorry. Yes. Getting all yes. muddled up here. Um, I love that idea. I think it's very, very clever. Not only does it emphasize a message to your readers that this is something important, but it also gives them a chance to engage and share. You know, it's kind of one of those. Well, if they re if you really like it, we'd appreciate the share. You know, and but it's making it as easy as possible. Exactly. Well, one of the things that I am trying to think about, and I tell this to to clients, is you want the you want the person who shares your content, you want it to make them look good. So, you know, at the end of a post that I've read that's really good, I could hit the tweet button, but then I got to come up with some cute, clever phrase to stick in front of it so that I look good when I'm on Twitter. Whereas if you create a click to tweet or, you know, you can use co-schedule and that kind of thing, you've already created that like crafty, clever little line. All I have to do is hit that button and then they look good on their Twitter feed. They're more likely to share the better you make them look. So I really like that tip. Yeah, that's bang on. Yeah. Because especially in so many platforms, I suppose LinkedIn is probably a little bit exaggerated because that seems to be mostly what's going on there. People trying to impress their, you know, their corporate business peers. But um, yeah. Obviously, you're you're deploying it very successfully. I mean, a lot of your posts have been shared thousands of times there, um, and I think one in particular there is nearly up to seventeen thousand shares. Um, I've noticed, yep. obviously, Pinterest is something which um, you you have, I seem to be getting um, some success with. Is that is that simply down to the the making it easy to share your stuff socially and having the, the great visual images, or is is there something a little bit more that you're doing there? No, it's really, I have done, I've done shockingly little with Pinterest, except, I mean, I'm on Pinterest and I have my own, you know, my own uh, profile and all yeah. that sort of thing. But the one thing I do is that every single post I put out, some of my older ones I haven't um, caught up yet with, but all my new ones are all built with a 1000 by 1200 vertical image. Yes. Um, they're all branded and I make sure that that featured image is also in the post itself because a lot of people have those little pin it buttons on their browser and then that way they, again, it makes them look good. It's a nice image to pin uh, and their yeah. profile, profile looks good. So a lot of that is just people read it and they pin it and then it gets repinned. So it's quality content, make it look good, make it easy to share and it just makes that a whole lot easier and I really like the simplicity of that. Just getting some of the, the tech right for want of a better expression um, mm. absolute, absolutely is, is helping success there so that's that's really something which we haven't really spoke about too much on any of the previous podcasts so that's no. really interesting and I mean from that point Julie I mean is there any you know tips that you could give our audience for just making if they wanted to do it themselves in terms of creating nice images or um, nice uh, pins that they can put on their board. Is there something that you could you could guide them through very quickly that might make their life a little bit easier if they're afraid of that? Yeah, I, I would say I would say the the very first thing that will save you a ton of time is if you come up with a template, um, something that has your you know your watermark or your logo on the bottom, uh, a general font and color feel, and then you can create it in Canva c a n v a dot com. You can get a free account. You just hook it up to your Facebook. Um, you go ahead and it gives you the custom templates right there. You just pick the Pinterest one. You get your template all laid out. And then literally all I do is I change the text of the title and I put a nice stock photo. And again, I get stock photos that don't look like stock photos. And you can get like free photos on stocksnap.com. 
.io or .co. I don't know. It's one of those weird suffix stock snap. You can just look it up on Google. Yeah, we'll I get find, it in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. Some nice, some nice photos. You plug it in and, um, and then you download the image and it's ready to go. So Canva is a really, really f- great free program. You just need an internet connection. That's all you need to get it to get it up and going, make your template and then just switch those pictures out in the text and, and you're on your way. Yeah. I mean, I've used Canva before and it is very, very simple. Um, I'm probably guilty of not utilizing it enough because I do yeah. like playing around with bits and bobs and I'm probably at the end of the day, I should probably be focusing on something else, but I enjoy that part of it. So I tend to spend a little yeah. bit of time creating stuff myself, but certainly if you're in a hurry or you just want something nice and easy, you don't have to think about that still looks great. Definitely. I'd recommend people going and taking a look at Canva. Um, I suppose looking at the, you know, the amount of fonts out there, you know, the amount of different, you know, color schemes, uh, all that sort of stuff. Obviously, you know, I suppose dipping a little bit into kind of the web design uh, side of things, is there any kind of fonts or any, you know, color schemes that you, you recommend or is there any that you see out there on websites and you think, guys, stop doing this. It's a mistake I'm seeing again and again and you really shouldn't have it on your site. Uh, well, you know, in general, like when we're talking about those, the images, like the pinnable images, I'm just going to say less is more. If you don't have a good design eye, you can't be criticized for what's not there. So, um, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, just just keep, keep it, it simple. Keep it simple. Don't try to be something you're not. Um, no one's going to criticize, you know, basic. <laughs> They're going to criticize yeah. awful and gaudy, you know. Um but I think with web design in general, don't be afraid of white space. Don't be afraid of giving room, like even in your posts, in your imagery, um, space is your friend. And of course, oh my gosh, this goes without saying, everything you do should be easy to see on mobile devices. Uh, with Google's yes. algorithm change and their mobile friendliness, you, you know, it's better to have basic clean design that looks great on mobile than to have something that's very uh, crafty and clever, but at the end of the day, you can't see it on a little phone or a tablet. Yeah, very I couldn't well. agree more with you when it comes to that. And that's something that we saw in, I suppose, 2012, 2013. Our you know, majority of people who visited our content, it was a, a fancy football site. It was really basically laptops and desktops. And you could obviously you can tell by the browser through Google Analytics, but there was a massive shift towards mobile, so much so that we ended up, you know, redesigning the whole site and having that mobile responsiveness as being key to it and yes. I suppose you know jumping back even further I remember you know the days of programming all of the code and trying to get the website to look right and having that frustrations and then I suppose initially you know WordPress and uh, Thesis was kind of the, the way that you know we decided to go and obviously Genesis is another uh, another platform there. Um, with that you know would you I suppose recommend that all online business that you you know you get your WordPress blog, you get a theme, or you get some responsive design, and it's good for mobile. Is is there anything else that you might you'd recommend to people maybe starting out, or people who have maybe got a site in place but you know aren't very far along at the moment? You know, I would say that you want to you know build build for the future in that you want to make sure that you have you know, by, by and large, WordPress powers 20% of the internet. WordPress is the best content management system, uh, you know, right now. So use WordPress, number one. Number two, use 
either thesis or genesis, either one. I find genesis is a little bit easier to, to the learning curve isn't as hard, yeah. um, but either platform is fantastic. They will both integrate well with commerce. Um, if you decide to expand your business at any time, stay away from themes that claim that you can get 500 themes for $30. You will, <laughs> yeah, you will regret yeah. it. I promise. Yeah. Just put the money out now and build a really strong foundation. You can always, you know, expand later. It's the internet's funny. It's fickle. If you have to change domains, change themes, change uh, large portions of your design later on, then you're stuck having to deal with the SEO nightmare. So, you know, just invest at the beginning, get the right stuff in place, and then you can grow with it. Yeah, and, and realistically, it's it's not a massive investment when you look at what you're hoping no, to, to get all. out of it. You know, obviously, there it can be, um, it can get expensive depending on how much customized design that you require. But obviously, starting out, um, I, I I absolutely agree with you when it comes to that. And we went with thesis. We could have just as easily went with Genesis. There wasn't a whole lot in it. Um, I think you know when we were looking at it, probably maybe thesis just had maybe better marketing material at the time, and, and that re it really came down to that. So, um, as regards, they're, bo best they're both excellent platforms. They're both yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, there's one thing that I would, that I, I suppose, luckily only kind of experienced it once really, but it is having that you know, uh, you know, your website under attack and and things failing. <laughs> Um, and I suppose having backups was, was really a godsend. Um, is that something you would come across much or, you know, what would you recommend to people who, um, you know, or maybe kind of have a website, but just haven't even thought of backing up or doing anything like that so far? Yeah. Well, I would say that, uh, a lot of my business is dealing with, uh, people who call me in tears because there's malware injected on their site and, oh God, um, right. And their host has, you know, has shut down their account until they can get it fixed. You know, there, there are three key issues with WordPress that you have to take and keep in mind. Number one is updating. The more plugins you have, the more vulnerable your site is. Just like a house, it's like every plugin is a window. There's another access point to malware. So do not install plugins that you don't absolutely need. Um, make sure the plugins you do install are have excellent tech support have great reviews, and also are updated frequently. And then make sure that you update them. <laughs> That's, you know, I, I yes. offer a service for that. And it's so funny because I think this is really just a matter of pushing a button. Why would anybody pay me to go into their site and push a button? Except you wouldn't believe how many people don't log into their site regularly. They don't want to do the backup before they update, which is, you know, definitely a necessity. Before you do any updates, you should always do a backup. There's a million ways to back up from premium services like VaultPress, which are run by the, the company that makes WordPress. VaultPress is excellent, or your host can give you backup services, or even yeah. just a free plugin like Updraft. You can back up and then update, keep your password strong. Make sure you have good antivirus software on your computer itself. That also helps. And, um, and stay away from the really, really cheap shared hosting um, solutions that you know, may not have the, the right security measures in place. And if you, if you want to even go beyond that, you can get a service like Securi, um, which monitors your site for malware and cleans it up if there's a problem. But um, really, a strong password, not too many plugins, and updating your site regularly are going to be three of the, the greatest preventative measures you can do 
Um, yeah, keep I your couldn't agree safe. with you more. There's, and really, if honestly, everyone who's listening to this and, and even us ourselves, we ask, do we do that every single time? Well, we don't. But I do think that, you know, you should really, you know, kind of, you know, drink, you know, I suppose, drink your own champagne and, and want of a better metaphor. And the other side of things to, to that as well is just back up, just just get a back up in play, you know, and that, that's just simply as because it's like that, you know, it's never it's never important until it's too late. And then, you know, um, <laughs> that's how things can happen. But around that, um, obviously, you know, you've how often would you look at producing, you know, content and, and courses and Obviously, the internet and, and all technology around it has changed at such a fast pace. You know, what do you recommend to people who, you know, are servicing their audience? How often do they, should they maybe, you know, generate new content on a weekly, monthly, annual basis? Well, when I started, I was producing content five days a week. Um, that's a lot. Um, Absolutely, yeah. But, We've but, been there, Phil, eh? Yeah. <laughs> we most certainly have. <laughs> You know, three times a week is a great is you know is a great number. Some you know when people gawk at that, I said you know why don't you if you're gonna post three times a week, the first you know one post should be a really long form, complete, um, SEO friendly piece of content that's that's gonna serve you over the years because Google will index it. So that's like once a week, and then maybe once a week you do something that's a little bit more social media friendly. It's gonna be a little bit more digestible, easy to share. Um, has a great like hook and curiosity gap, you know, it's, it's different type of content, a little easier to produce to do that once a week. And then the third, the third thing you could do a video, you could do a roundup of, of, you know, other posts that you've read. That's a great way to not only share valuable content with your readers that you're not really having to create, but it also shows that you're willing to share, you know, other bloggers in your niche, which, you know, sometimes they'll share back. It's, it's kind of good karma. And there you have it. You have your three posts for the week. Now, saying that, do I do that now? No, I don't do that now. But that's because I have hundreds of posts that are now working for me when I'm not working in terms of Google. And so I'm I'm kind of stepping into the, the course workshop arena now where I'm going to produ- be producing some material that will work for me because I'm only one person. There's only 24 hours in a day and I've really hit yeah. my ceiling in terms of how many clients I can take on. I understand that. Well, I really like, I mean, that's a really different way of thinking about it as well. And that's something else that we, you know, other guests haven't really mentioned is, you know, having one post there for, for the SEO purposes to get the search uh, mm-hmm. rankings higher, you know, the second post for social being social media friendly. Uh, and then I suppose the third really looking at, you know, bigging up other people within the niche, you know, building credibility, good karma, but also maybe doing video or audio or something like that. So again, SEO across all of those different areas is, is going to boost you massively. Yes. Um, around the, the content and I suppose creating courses and obviously you're taking on this, you know, this arena and it is quite competitive out there at the moment. Um, what, you know, how are you putting your courses together? Are they, is it all text? Is it video? Is it tutorial based? You know, what, what way are you you're planning on tackling that? Yeah, I, well, I'm just starting to enter that space. So you take this with a big grain of salt. There's lots of people out there that are way more uh, knowledgeable than I am. The first uh, easiest way I think to create some edible content that you can, that can make you some passive income is to really just create a nice piece of content and turn it into a PDF. I use, um, DD, uh, DPD cart, 
which allows you to sell digital downloads uh, very simply. It's a third-party system if you don't want to mess with installing plugins and all that sort of thing. Easy Digital Downloads will do that for you. That's a WordPress plugin that's excellent. But I like the uh, DPD cart because it um, has so many analytics and reports and things that I don't have to, you know, come up okay. with myself. So I would recommend that. I think it's $10 a month to sell 20 products. You can also... Um, so you can also put video up there, up to one gig of storage. So this is great if your host provider is not uh, super, super fast to use a third party. So uh, a PDF, I'm also doing, I'm going to start doing more video-based video tutorials. For my business, this works. I screen share and people can learn everything they need to learn. Eventually, I may move to like a dripped content kind of system where it's either a membership site yeah. or you know, that kind of thing. But, you know, I, I'm, I've built my business on the idea of simplicity of keeping is your overhead as low as possible, keeping your systems processes as efficient as possible. So for me right now, PDFs and videos are easy to create. They don't require any extra software and they're, and the readers, and I've had no complaints, you know, of, of that, that type of uh, yeah. content. So I really that's like that. where I'm at. That's that's cool. I mean, what we've I suppose what we did was, um, I mean, we we've done the, the digital download, so kind of like a, a magazine, as such a digital magazine, um, and and the great thing with that is, you know, it can get it can generate instant cash. Really, you know, you've got your audience there, exactly. You've got the quality content. They know you're good. That's why they're following you. And then they, you know, they sometimes I find you have to give people an opportunity to maybe give a little something back to you as well because. They may want to actually even just give you money for you know the great stuff that you've you've provided, and having a means to do that that gives them a little bit something that they can find very useful. I think is quite powerful, and I I like the way that you're you're stepping into it slowly because some people can make a mistake, and I suppose myself and Phil we went down this route a number of years ago, probably maybe four, I suppose five or six years ago now, where we just jumped in and we thought yes we can make a membership website, we can have videos, we can have weekly updates, and and we committed to something which was really very very difficult for us to sustain. So we then took a step yeah. back, went with digital products, and then moved into that kind of that membership platform, and that is absolutely something I recommend. But not doing it until you you have it clearly defined and you can commit the time to it and we really don't want to over commit and then under deliver to our audience and ultimately that's something which it's very it's, it can be a fine line on that but look I'm, I'm mindful that we've taken a huge amount of your time here Julian I'm very thankful that you've come on I'm just wondering Phil have you got any more questions um, maybe you're anything else I'm sure you do but maybe if you limit it to one or two <laughs> and we can look to try wrap things up because obviously we're, we're getting tight for time at this point yeah well I tell you I think this is the quietest I've been on uh, any of our most recent podcasts I have a full list of <laughs> notes here Julie and I've just been sitting back taking notes and listening to what you've been saying um it's it just it's it, it's mind boggles at, at the simplicity and I, I don't mean this in, in, in any kind of a bad term but the simplicity of the stuff that you speak about is fantastic mm. because it, it often gets overlooked it, the, if the foundations aren't right when you're starting your blog or if you're looking to take it to the next level it will eventually crumble and i just love the simplicity of what you do and what you speak about and how easy it is to implement it doesn't have to be a big thing to go through that i mean in terms one of the big things that always interests me when it comes to creating content and it's something we found time and time again and i, I know i've spoke to most of our guests about it so i'll ask you is that when people come to creating content, the big relief when it's written or the video has been done or the podcast has been has been recorded, but the promotion seems to fall by the wayside. 
And mm. that's the hard yards of it. And I mean, in terms of promoting your content, what are your more more favorite steps when it comes to promoting that blog post or, or that new course? Well, when I'm tr- I have to think about when I first started out because it's, you know, once you hit a threshold of a certain, you know, you hit at least a thousand subscribers, you know, you have thousands on your social media platforms, it kind of does the work for you. You put it out there. If it's good, people share it. But when you're first starting out, when you have less than 50 subscribers, I think one of the, the key ways to really work on promotion is to go where the audience has already gathered. So for example, I wrote a a tutorial on Hootsuite and I was following a guy who had thousands of followers and his whole thing was Hootsuite. And I had just shared this one little tip that he hadn't seen before. Um, I think I even referenced his blog. I, you know, I, I linked back to him, said he was a great resource. Well, of course he saw that link back, you know, that ping back. He also read the content, saw that I had a little, you know, piece of knowledge in there that he hadn't thought of. And he shared it with 20,000 people on his platform. So honestly, what I would say to the new blogger with very few subscribers is you need to go where your audience is, go look at your competitor's sites and don't see them as competitors, see them as colleagues, read their content. See if you can't come at their content from a different angle with something new. Make sure you pay them back in your article by linking back to them. Share it and see what happens. You never know. If, if, they're, if they're good business people, ethical bloggers, they may just throw you a bone and share it back. And that's a fast way to build your, your following. Yeah, I, I love that. That's a great piece of advice. And that's actually um, for anyone who hasn't signed, any, anyone who hasn't been through uh, some of our earliest content, one of the big things that we wrote about was how to defeat writer's block. And while planning and a lot of that can kind of cut that to one side, one of the things that we speak about is also referencing, referencing, should I say, easy for me, um, other, other people within your market, because you can, you can have a different take on their content so if for instance if i was to pick a piece of your content julie i mean I lo- i'm looking mm-hmm. at one here in front of me you know how to get people to eat up your blog posts which i really like the title of by the way um <laughs> i mean i can reference that and i could say read this great article from fabulousblogging.com it was good slash bad and here's why i really liked it here's why i didn't like it and here's something that i also found was kind of jumping to my mind as i was reading it Yes. And obviously, you're making sure there's a link back to the original source, so you don't you don't want to you don't want to pay anyone off and kind of think that you're you're stealing their content. That's not the the premise of your article. You've grown some inspiration from reading that post, and again, hopefully, there might be a ping back there to the original author. They might be they might be willing to share it with their audience, but you're highlighting to them, hey, I'm here. I'm also in this space. And I'm sharing your content because I really like it. And as you said, eventually they may return that favor. Um, so I really like that. And again, it's something that I think a lot of people, and one thing you did say was they're not competitors. And that's a big thing people look at. They kind of go, well, no, they're the, mm. com- they're the competition. No, they're not the competition. There's, there's plenty of the market, no matter what niche you're in, to go around. And by yes. making connections and making friendships. And we've made some great friends throughout the years, through, you know, for people who had blogs on similar content, um, you know, it becomes part of you become part of an inner community within that larger community. Yes, exactly. And you know what? Honestly, when you're building your social media following, you want your social media streams to show that you have authority in, in whatever niche you're, you're trying to carve out for yourself. And if you were just sharing your own content, you were not the primary authority on everything. So sharing other people's <laughs> content builds trust with your readers as well. 
So you need your competitors because you cannot generate the kind of content that the the hungry social media market needs. So you need to rely on those people to kind of help boost your stream as well. Yeah, that's a great point. It can't be all things to all people. You know, you need to focus yeah. on what your strengths are and then bring in people as, as they um, exactly. you know, have something to add to, to, to you and your audience as such. You know, um, I have to say there is a lot of stuff I would really like to continue talking about. For example, you know, the psychology and how that can sometimes maybe impact posts that you've done. Obviously, digging a little bit more on on the WordPress and responsive design. And, and I mean, your, your strategies around social media and just... The simplicity, uh, as Phil has mentioned, on some of the, you know, getting the core principles of your website, you know, future design, how you actually share your, your, you know, your social media, how you have your icons designed in a certain way so it's easy for people to share to make themselves look good. I could go on and on and ask more and more questions, but I won't. I'll, I'll leave it there. But hopefully <laughs> maybe we might have you back on uh, in the future uh, at some point, Julie. Um, I'd just like to thank you very much for, for taking the time to come on the Content Academy podcast. Absolutely. It was great. It was great chatting and great to meet you both. And, uh, and I, appreciate, I appreciate the invitation. No, thank you very much for taking the time to come on, as Paul yeah. said. And I suppose just before we let you go, uh, for any of our audience who want to see more of what you're up to or reach out and drop you a tweet and say thanks very much for sharing your valuable knowledge with them, where can they get a hold of you? Um, I'm on Twitter at FabBlogging, F-A-B-B-L-O-G-G-I-N-G lovely stuff julie it's been an absolute pleasure thank you very much for taking the time to come on yes thank you have a great day you too so as you mentioned at the start there phil um the about page uh, obviously was discussed a lot of tips about that but the one thing that stood out for me was uh treat it as if you're having a cup of coffee with someone so it's slightly informal um however you do get your key points across yeah and i mean it's not the first time we've heard that approach from our guests you know the sitting knee to knee the virtual cup of coffee all these terms um have come out over the last couple of podcasts and certainly it seems to be the case that when you want to get a message across to your audience you really do have to imagine you're either on the other end of the phone speaking directly to them sitting knee to knee with them or having a cup of coffee with them and explaining exactly what you do and how you can help them yeah, and um, something else that just jumped out was, um, you know, Julie has a, a lot of ideas for blog posts and her about page and whatever her content is, you know, um, generally she's got a few points to make and she adds numbers to it afterwards. Um, I suppose it makes things a little bit more attractive to that curious reader out there and can, I suppose, make it faster for people to digest. So bringing numbers into your posts is probably a very good idea five dip tips for that five myths debunked whatever it is yeah i mean that's something we've spoke about as well that i mean you know you need to make your content look good whatever about what it actually says when that blog post or article loads it needs to look good it needs to look like it could be consumed easily and it needs to be scannable and get to the point i think it was um oh no, it's gone. Do, do, do. My mind has drawn a blank. Let me get this. What are you? I'm trying to quote one of our other podcasts so I can put on the show notes. Oh. Bear with me. Well, Neil Patel always says to be to the point. If that helps. Mm. Obviously not from one of our podcasts. You need to get to the point without sacrificing your personality. Mark Asquith. Mark Asquith. Yeah, okay. 
So I'll bring go in from there. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like Mark Asquith said in his uh, podcast interview with us uh, back in episode number three. You know, you need to get to the point without sacrificing your personality. People are very, very busy. You need to get to the point and keep it concise and get the information across in a digestible manner. So, I mean, I really love that from Julie. And one of the other things, I suppose, Paul, I don't know if you, you kind of picked up on this, was, you know, very, very simple piece of advice to our listeners out there and i don't know if they do it or not but certainly i know i do and it's you must always read your blog posts out loud that's always read your blog posts out loud they will that will catch all the mistakes or a good portion of them anyway yeah i mean i actually just yeah scribbled that down um and actually funny enough on your on your previous point you're talking about personality uh, Julie again speaks about getting personality into the posts as well. So again, that's another another theme which is coming up again and again and again. So yeah, it's all about okay. authenticity and personality. And just to finally wrap this one up, Paul, the last bit I wanted to share, just in case people missed it, was Julie was talking about the click to tweets within the articles and also. Um, having your readers share your content and what you have to remember is that you need your content to make them look good when they share it i thought that was a great way of kind of summarizing it that you need to make sure that when your audience share your content it makes them look good yeah and at the end of the day that is what will get shared that's what will get retweeted uh pinned liked whatever your your social cup of tea is you know, absolutely. So, um, making it easy for people to do it as well. So, for example, obviously, click to tweet. Um, I mean, that's a free service which is available, which people can take advantage of. So, yeah, absolutely great advice there. Um, I have to say, I'm finding that there are there's so many, so much. I mean, I'd really love to get talking about the the backups and the programming and the you know thesis and, and the Bay First Genesis. But uh, I think the guys have heard the podcast, so rather than harp on too much about that. Um, if you guys have any questions on the show, um, you know what? Drop us an L tweet. Um, you'll get us um, twitter.com forward slash now underscore content academy. Yeah, it's at underscore content academy. If you head on to our homepage at content.academy, you'll, will, of course, see all the social links there so you can get a hold of us easily. But, Paul, I think we'll wrap it up for the moment. And until next time, folks, have a good one.